welcome to episode 10, Double Digits. Double Digits, baby. Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Saucy. <laughs> we made it. I don't know if we've said this before, but, uh, well, I mean, I'm sure you've noticed that on our episode titles, we do season one. Mm. Our plan is to do 12 episodes a season, so this is We're coming not close. the season finale, not the season pre-finale, but almost almost and it's also uh, a very important episode because it comes out on my birthday (laughs) she's turning 49 (laughs) almost over the hill not quite oh yeah (laughs) thanks (laughs) aging with grace and beauty (laughs) Ah! (laughs) it's been 84 years oh it's actually 25 but you know we can just forget about that (laughs) 49's way better what a privilege it what a privilege it is to age though it is. We talked about this last episode. Yeah, it's we great. did. Great. great. We're just, that's where we're at. We just repeat everything we say. We, <laughs> we have the best. Five ideas, and have, we just rotate through them. Have you done the Grinch yet? Should we talk about the makeup? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I guess we'll talk about our week. We had a very eventful week. Yeah, actually. we got something very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. We worked on something pretty big. A little project. And it made us absolutely pooped and we both died after. We, like, text each other later in the day, like, have you stopped lying down yet? <laughs> I had, like, a 30-hour nap. Ruby slept for a month. It yeah. Felt like... And then I, like, downed a bottle of wine and was like, wow, wow, we were. Wow, wow, we were wild. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get when you work for, like, eight hours on the weekend. Yeah, it was pretty busy. All in the name of blush and stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that will be available for your viewing eyes. Not the other eyes that you put in. No. (laughs) This is like some Coraline bullshit right now. Put in your buttons! (laughs) (laughs) My dad used to say, uh, brings a tear to a glass eye. (laughs) Like when something was heartwarming, you know? Yeah. Yes. Like, so it was like a glass eye couldn't even, like, yeah, a glass eye could cry. But you made it cry, because wow. you're that cute. Like we were just saying, we were working on something, and we couldn't have done that without the help of um, James and Daniel, but also a sweet friend of ours called Maria. Yeah, she did us a huge favor. She's super talented, and we're really excited to get for you guys to see what we created, because you're going to see her handiwork in it. Yeah, she's a beautiful illustrator, mm-hmm. and... Uh, we can give you some more details when we post about it and then where to find her and buy from her. And she's got a red bubble page as well. That's awesome. Yes. And then, like you said, huge thank you to both of our partners, Daniel and James, for spending their Saturday after working long weeks mm-hmm. um, helping us and dealing with our stress and panic and getting us bagels when we were on the verge of a major breakdown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll probably throw some BTS of that. And when I say, like, BTS of like what we shot it's one video i have of you <laughs> i oh. stood on a chair like yeah like <laughs> it'll all become clear it'll all become clear one day don't worry guys <laughs> more news more yeah you got <laughs> hmm let me scour through the folds <laughs> of my brain um i love the birthday gift that buffy got me oh she got me it's a- topical <laughs> <laughs> she got me a batman and robin the DVD. Because she'd never seen it. From and last app. In my personal humble opinion, one cannot die having not watched that movie. Not seeing the bat nips. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're Sorry. missing out. I didn't want you to miss out. I care about you. What do <laughs> I what, you. what do I say? What do I do? <laughs> 
So yeah, I'm really excited to watch that. That was a great gift in DVD form. Yes. I haven't received a DVD in a while, so I felt <laughs> yeah. privileged in a new way. And I also got a tiny 2021 calendar with dogs doing yoga poses. Because who doesn't want dogs doing yoga poses? Mm-hmm. I have one in my kitchen, and every time Ruby comes over, she's like, wow, look at Snowflake doing downward dog. Hey, January's <laughs> called Whiskey. I know, and December it's called Tequila. Starting the year and ending the year on fine notes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I we haven't recorded in a while. It's actually been like two weeks since we've recorded. Yeah, which is weird for us because we usually record pretty reg. Yeah. And we haven't seen each other for a while, too. We had the new COVID restrictions in, so we just, like, chilled for a bit. Yeah. And you were on a show. We were both being busy gals. Mm-hmm. Bengal gals. Bengal gals. I'm just going to keep bitches. referencing, yeah, every episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> find out more. <laughs> that, I don't, uh, yeah, my week's been good, friend. Yeah. How about yours? No, mine's been good, too. Yeah, any failures, any good things, bad things? Something cool that happened to us this week. Um, on our last episode... Oh, yes! Yeah, we Ruby talks about Fifth Element and the Mangalores. Motipas. Yes, Motipas. And kind of cool, the other night uh, we got a direct message from Gary Pollard, who was the key sculptor for the Mangalores. Yes, and I did mention him. So yeah. if you listened, you know what we're referencing right yeah, now. Yeah, there'll be a pop quiz next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just kidding. Mailed to you. <laughs> In our newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, it was really cool that he took the time to listen and um, and then on top of that to message us and to just yep. give us an extra note. Um, I guess I'll just read that out. So yeah, just wanted to clarify that there were no facial prosthetics uh, except for eye bags on Atcon. Um, but other than that, the Mangalore head is a background mask and is a crumbling animatronic skin. Is what he said. And I think the crumbling animatronic skin is referencing to some of the Instagram photos I put up. Mm-hmm. And one of the last ones, I think crumbling and, cr- and again, Gary Paula, please message us if we're wrong again. <laughs> but um, yeah, foam, what the prosthetic was made out of, uh, can become brittle over time. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was in reference to that. Um, but there were just some really good pointers there and really nice that he took a moment to like write in and like see yeah, and be like, really hey, this it. is what's up. And yeah, um, Akon, is it? the name? Aknot. Aknot, sorry. Akon. <laughs> Jesus. Do you Akon. Akon was in that movie, Fivellman? Like, wow. Akon the singer? Fivellman? Fifth Element. Oh, <laughs> Great, we're both having strokes. Welcome. <laughs> I thought you said Fivellman. I probably did. And I was like... No, I don't remember that. Like, what is happening? 49 is not treating me well. <laughs> Jesus. Wowzers. Um, basically, wow, we wow, we wow, times two. Um, yeah, and we were like, didn't know how to reply, so we were like, we're like, wow. Yeah, I was like, I'm a bottle of wine deep, I can't reply right now, like, on FaceTime. <laughs> Let's just wait. Like, you know, because why not, you know, hold off on the embarrassment? Yes. Mm-hmm. Gather our brains together. Yep. Because God knows it requires two of them to function <laughs> at one's capacity. Yes. Yes, it does. That's like how we got the nickname Tweedledee and Tweedledum, I guess. Yeah. And because we probably walk around arm in arm, being like, what's happening? What's going on? Where are we? What's happening? What time is it? When's wrap? When's half snack? Self-wrap. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when we used to get towels thrown at us? Yes. It wasn't just us. I mean, like, it was a trailer trip. Maybe it was just us thinking back. It was like, you know that thing that the internet did where that was like, yeet? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, but someone once in like the, a trailer on a show we were working on threw like, we use hot towels to clean up actors, you know, it's just a nice little... At the end, end of a long day. End their day. And we, so you got to put all these towels in a wash bag, obviously, and someone threw one and instead of saying yeet, was like parakeet. <laughs> and then we just started saying pigeon. And then these towel would get more aggressive. And then we were always the ones that were like cleaning up stuff. So I feel like I just had a lot of 2019 of just like random wet yeah, I like, feel like towels being thrown at my head and someone screaming pigeon. And we were just easy targets because a lot of the time we're not working with other actors because we're tidying up other things. And I yeah. think that just gave us a lot of blind spots. Yeah, I really did. Yeah, I just have, like, you know, fever dreams of pigeon! <laughs> and a wet towel, like, slapping me across the face. Don't worry, sweet Ruby. Revenge is a dish best served cold. <laughs> <laughs> Our time will come. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Actually, there was a pigeon in the studio not long ago. Really? Yeah, like, in the makeup room. Oh, in the makeup room. Yeah, like, Jesus. I was, like, minding my own business in one part of the makeup room. Ah, and I, like, ah. walked through, and this, like, bloody pigeon, like, swooped down and flooded everywhere. And I was like, ah! <laughs> And, like, everyone, no one was in the makeup room, so they were all in meetings or, like, not at the studio that day. And this was probably, like, two months ago. And I was, like, running back and forth, like, oh, my God, this pigeon was swooping me. <laughs> and I was just like, it's immigration. They've come for me. <laughs> They're robot pigeons. <laughs> They've been watching me. Yeah, the poor little guy was really flustered. And, like, we had skylights, but there was, like, obviously it's a skylight. And so oh, no. he was trying to, like, bash up against no. it. And we had these fans. And I was oh. like, oh, God, he's going to decapitate himself. And blood, <laughs> like, a pigeon head's going to fly everywhere. <laughs> and then this poor guy from production like came down and helped me and we tried to like trap it with a box and he like after I was there for like 20 minutes trying to help this poor pigeon and then he just basically like cornered it caught it with his hands and released it and was like okay see you later and I was like <laughs> bye and I'm then like again. soaked everything in 99% alcohol and sanitized it and was like well just another day at the office just another day <laughs> don't get paid enough uh, moral of the story. Yep. Would you like to begin? No, I think you should begin. <laughs> Stop. I felt, yeah, I just, yeah, I just, you like the shoulder move? <laughs> I think you should begin. Stop. David. Uh... <gasps> Ew. Is that a hint? Yes. For those of you who don't know, I we've probably talked about this show like five times mm. on, so far. In our nine apps. Yes. Mm-hmm. We love Shit's Creek. Love the writers. Love the actors. Love the music. Good, wholesome Canadian show. Love it all. I've decided to do Shit's Creek. Fantastic. I'm so excited. I sounded very, like, monotone then. Just, like, fantastic. I knew what she was doing. Begin. <laughs> um, yeah, so it is a Canadian show. It was created by Daniel Levy and Eugene Levy, Aww. a father and son duo. Fun fact also, Twyla in the show is really Sarah Levy, who is Daniel Levy's sister and Eugene Levy's daughter. So it's like a family affair. Huge fans of the family. It's super fun. Them eyebrows. Um, growing up, one of my favorite movies was Splash, and Eugene Levy is in that movie as a, a scientist. The and mermaid one? Yes. With Tom Hanks? Yes. Yes. Oh. Such a good movie. I freaking love that movie. And he's in it. And I remember that's that. That's when I first fell in love with Eugene Levy. Oh, cute. It was the first moment. Yeah, and she, like, cries all the time because she thinks the actors are, like, real and they're getting, like, 
She's like oh, watching TV and yeah. she's crying and Tom Hanks has to be like, these are actors, they're not really dead. No, yeah, she's watching like Bonanza or something. Yeah. And she's like, he just sh- shot him for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, no, it's funny. Ha ha ha. And she's like, oh, ha ha. Yes, funny. Ha ha ha. Cut to like me laying in the bathtub being like, come on, mermaid tail. <laughs> come now. <laughs> I am ready. <laughs> Um, so the makeup artist on this film, for season one, it was Julia Carter, and then for season two to five, it was Candace Ornstein. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. Candace! Um, <laughs> but I'm going to be focusing on Lucky Broomhead, who was actually the personal makeup artist for Catherine O'Hara, who plays Moira Rose, and Annie Murphy, who plays Alexis Rose. Their name's Lucky? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about Lucky Broomhead. Uh, she, Broomhead. Broomhead. Yes. I can't, I can't say I've ever met someone with either of those names. I know. She's really cool, though. Fucking get it, Lucky. <laughs> she grew up in BC. So <gasps> She's a BC girl. She's a local. She grew up in Summerland. Oh, I just went there. Really? Yeah, it's right next to Kamloops. Yes, that... No, oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Not Kamloops. Not Kamloops. Uh, Kelowna and oh, Penticton. Kelowna's fine. And... I have a lot of nightmares. <laughs> yeah, Buffy had to go to a show up there and... Needless to say, that highway was the death of me. I don't know if I've told this story before, no, but you should. For, for those of you who are not from BC or who have never been to BC, uh, we have one of the most dangerous highways in North America mm-hmm. called the Coquihalla, or as I like to call it, the Devil's Passage. <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically this like long stretch of highway. And it's, like, just up and down hills. It's winding. It's, like, only lorries or, like, tr- like truckers yeah. on it. Yeah, like, it's the worst highway in the world. It also is in a part of BC that gets a bunch of snow and rain yeah. and just but it's horrible like weather. random. Like, it'll be yes. sunny and then in five minutes it's, like, torrential rain with then snow and then it's, like... And then it's sunny again. The most confusing yeah. You're portal. Like, where am I? Where am I going? The Bermuda Triangle, I swear to God. Yeah. Um. So, back in the spring... I was doing a show, and we were shooting an episode in Kamloops, and I had been on the Coquihalla before, but as a passenger, and it seemed in my head to be a lot easier, and Mm. it it didn't seem that hard. So I took my little rinky-dink clown car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just thought you getting out and set with, like, giant shoes, like, and your huge makeup. You know how it's, like, the tiny cars, and you get out? It's like Mary Poppins' car. Yeah, I, like, yeah. take out 55 things. You've got these giant shoes, and you're, like, walking towards, like, Run an actor, like, I'm here. I'm doing your makeup I today. I just like the Coke and Holla. <laughs> the Coke and Holla. The Coke and Holla. You're, <laughs> like, fucking hell, Vancouver's full of weirdos. Um, so I'm on this highway. And I had my GPS on. I had the radio on. It's a fucking shit show. I'm trying to make it up these hills. I'm going like 40 kilometers an hour. My car's like making noises I've never heard a car make before. I can like feel the gears change as I'm going up this like fucking steady incline. I might as well have been climbing a wall in this car. I love that in like older cars where they're like, you're like, come on, baby. And then you hear like like, them shift like in the automatic ones. Here we go. Here we go. Um, my radio cuts out, it's silence for like 10, 20 minutes, and I'm just like praying to the gods that I survive this fucking ordeal. It's like torrential downpours, like I've never seen so much rain. My knuckles were so sore, my jaw was so sore. Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the quiet ends, and this Christian channel comes on, and it's like, Jesus has you now, <laughs> he will save you. 
did they pay extra to have their radio station be the only radio station in that sector of the Coca-Cola where people are like, please let me get through this. Anyway, as you can tell, I survived. I'm here today, but barely. I actually got to Kamloops and immediately the first thing I did after getting to the hotel was looking up how much it would cost to get a tow truck to tow my car for me yeah. so I wouldn't have to. Well, you were going to get like Daniel to get a hire car yeah. out to then yeah. drive back your car. I was like literally going every possible scenario where I would not have to drive back on that highway, mm-hmm. but I did. My coworker, uh, Carly... She's super kind, super kind of her. Um, we carpooled back, and she drove the Coca-Cola, and then I just, we switched off later. And so, thank you so much. If you ever hear this, <laughs> seriously, the highlight of my 2020 was you <laughs> driving on the Coca-Cola. The relief. Um, anyway, so. Summerland. There you go. Summerland, Located BC. near the Coca-Cola. When you say it, it sounds like you're from, like, Sweden or something. Guten Tag, Coca-Cola. Well, I am European. Oh, okay. There you go. There's an excuse. (laughs) I can't pronounce anything. We've established Uh, this. Neither can I. It is what it is. Tell us about Lucky. (laughs) So, um, she began working at Mac, where she (laughs) discovered... Oh, was my hip, too. That was your hip? That was my hip. You're turning fucking 49. That wasn't even on purpose. Ouch. Uh, Sorry, I'm like holding Sarah's laptop. Sarah Buffy, if you haven't realized that by now. (laughs) And I'm like, got my nose just over the screen and looking into her eyes. And actually where you're breathing is warming (laughs) two strips of breath on my screen. We should really have someone take a photo of like what we go through to try and release these podcasts because it's it's honestly like endearing but pathetic. (laughs) Um, we're sitting on my bedroom floor using a kitchen table as a desk. Yep. And talking into a shared microphone <laughs> that's in a box. Yes. For soundproofing. It's very professional. Uh, what we were talking about earlier where we, like, made a little video, it's basically to apply to get more money, so. So that we don't have to live like this. Things are looking up. Maybe. Help me. We're poor. Help me. I'm poor. <laughs> Back to Lucky. God. We're having a terrible time. Um, So she began her career working at MAC, where she developed her love of makeup. She eventually moved to Toronto and started working at MTV Canada as their head of makeup. Sick. Which is super cool, yeah. So, so she eventually became the personal makeup artist for Catherine O'Hara, as well as Annie Murphy on Schitt's Creek. And this year at the Emmys, she was nominated for Best Contemporary Makeup Without Prosthetics. She didn't win, however. You may be familiar with who she lost to. The queen herself, Donnie Davey. Mm -hmm. Although super cute, I watched Catherine O'Hara's acceptance speech this year of her award, and she gives Lucky a shout-out, saying, "Um, I'd like to thank my guardian makeup angel, Lucky Bromhead, which I just thought was so cute and precious. That is really sweet. Yeah. And Catherine O'Hara has got some sweet makeup in that. She does. They did a really good job, I think, at channeling the characters' personalities exactly how they would look on the outside. Yeah. From their outfits to their wigs to the <laughs> makeup they put her in. It's all just really well done. Yeah. She reminds um, me of my grandma. She's so freaking funny. <laughs> yeah. I love her. Alexis. <laughs> David! <laughs> Christmas cracker. I was like, she's like, Christmas cracker. I can't do it. Someone at work did it recently and it was so good. The baby. The baby. What happened to the baby? The crows are crowing or whatever it is. <laughs> Fuck. 
Fucking big up rolling shit. Like, oh my I God. fucking love that guy. That's Daniel's favorite character on this show, too. Everything Roland says, Daniel's like, I'm going to use that. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll just talk about what Shiz Creek's about. If you don't know, it's a really funny little sitcom about a family that's was really wealthy and all of a sudden unexpectedly they lose all their money and they have to move to this tiny little town which was purchased by the dad as a gift to the son as a joke gift and the town is called Schitt's Creek and so they move there because it's their only asset they have and they live in a motel and it's just them coming down from this like elite Hollywood lifestyle back down to like very humble yeah living Extremely. They never really specify where Sheets Creek is, but it's definitely in Canada. Yes. Because they mention other provinces and states and locations. Yeah. What's really great that it's a, it's a Canadian show. It is. That's what's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, so with Moira's character, because she is this wealthy, fancy lady, they wanted to favor her look to be avant-garde. And actually, I found an interview where... Lucky Bromhead says, her makeup has the equivalent intention of Anna, Anna Wintour's hair. It's her signature and doesn't change too much. So she's always got her red lips. She's got that really dark, smoky eye. Yes. Really line, overlined lips. She's yeah. got, you know, a lot of... She wears a lot of makeup. But, but it, it's continuous. The look, the wigs change, but her makeup's yes, the same. Yes. As, right, got and it. And she's always over the top, which mm-hmm. is who she is as a person. Yeah, like... From you- her... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to be like, even when she goes to bed, she wears, like, silk pajamas, but then a waistcoat over the top. (laughs) And, like, embroidered, like, beetle or, like, something fancy. She's, like, the most high-maintenance type of lady. And she used to be a soap opera actor, so she's really stayed with that over-the-top drama with her physical appearance. So for the character of Alexis Rose, she wanted to keep her fresh, also free-spirited, which... Alexis Rose is very much a person who's very, no roots, does these wild things. I love it when she just drops like, well, when you're in an Arabian prince's dungeon and you have to play poker for your life, you're like, you do what you have to do, David. It's like, what? (laughs) And she just casually drops these insane stories of her going on these crazy, Mm -hmm. crazy adventures. So they kept her look soft. She usually has a soft wash of color over the eyelids, lots of black mascara, her eyebrows are always brushed up and thick, often Levy-esque, if you will. Mm. And she always makes sure to include quite a bit of highlight on Alexis's cheekbones because she's, you know, a fancy lady. Yeah. She likes the pop of color. I love that our actress just acts with her hand. She's always like, oh, you just cute little, uh, mm. Mm. like, she's always like got her hands by her face and she's like, oh, she's so uh, funny. David. Ew. Ew. <laughs> Um, also kind of interesting, I found some of her essential products. So when she creates Moira, she loves to use the MAC lip pencil in Spice. She loves MAC's Technocle, I don't know how to say that product, totally guessing there, liner in Metalhead. And then she also loves MAC lipstick in Dupe on A. And then for Alexis, she likes to use the MAC Brow Set Gel, just the clear one, and MAC Strobe Cream, MAC cream colored base in shell and for a blush she likes the mac pincho peach interesting that she worked at mac and like so much of her products are then used yeah yeah she she really knows how to work with those products yeah familiarity you would get really comfortable with those products and get really good with their product line and their shade range and all that and it would Mm -hmm. probably just be like easy for you to grab what you need because you know they have it 
The stripe cream's really fun if you want to achieve, like, a really dewy, like, mm-hmm. that I kind love of the strobe cream. look as well. Yeah, I, they have, like, the pink one and then the peach one as well. Mm-hmm. I love the peach one. In the summertime, I love to put it on, like, my shoulders, like, my collarbones Ooh. for, like, a little sheen. She's a little dewy. She's a little fresh. Just to wrap up um, with Lucky Bromham, I found a Q&A. Um, between her, um, af- just shortly after the Emmys and of the last season of Schitt's Creek premiering, and the interviewer asked her what her idea of perfect beauty was, and I just really, really liked her answer. She said, self-acceptance, confidence, humor, lack of ego, and glorious imperfections, which I think are just great answer. Especially because it has nothing to do with your look, it's all internal. Yes. And for a makeup artist to, like, you know... Yeah, especially, yeah, exactly. Makeup artists, you spend so much time looking at people's physical appearances mm-hmm. and, you know, correcting or blending. what needs and, correcting. Exactly. So I think it was just a really good answer to, for her to be like, you want to be beautiful? Get your inside looking nice, because that's where it counts. Yep. That's a good answer. That's and a great answer. So that's, that's Shits Creek. Should I drop a bomb right now? Oh, no. Brendan at work went on a date with Daniel Levy, like, <gasps> five billion years ago. Okay, Brendan isn't, like, the Crypt Keeper, I should say, five <laughs> billion years ago. <laughs> I mean, there's, like, yeah, like, when he was living in Toronto, and, yeah, he went on a date with Daniel Levy, and he was telling, we were talking about shit's Cricket work, and he was like, yeah, um, it was, like, a friend of his or something, and it was, Daniel Levy was working at MTV, and I think his friend was working at MTV, and um brendan went to go see him mm-hmm. and like see the friend and it basically like daniel Levy just liked the look of brendan and asked to get the number or something like that it was like very early on and um a long time ago and yeah they went on like a date how fun yeah they didn't they weren't compatible but yeah yeah still. and obviously like shout out to brendan now he's like just gonna engage so and he's, yes he's happy and he was just like randomly like nonchalant kind of brought it up and i was like excuse me uh-huh. <laughs> i recognize those eyebrows anywhere <laughs> i'd go on a date with daniel levy i would go on a date with daniel levy i'd go on a date with eugene levy i'd go on a date with Roland shit honestly <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, him and fucking the cheese dip that his wife always makes <laughs> the futon jesus What's her name again? Uh, Jocelyn. Jocelyn. Oh. So good. And then when you, they have a baby and they call it Junior Roland or Roland <laughs> Junior. And the other one's Mutt. Okay, gorgeous man. Unbelievably sexy. Terrible name. Terrible. Okay, yeah, I, I doubt that's his real name, but cast name, Mutt. <laughs> Jesus. Looking at, like, a baby, that's, like, as offensive as, like, when people carry a child for nine months and then give it a name, like, Blanket. That's fucked up. No, I've never met a human called Blanket. Isn't that Gwyneth Paltrow's baby's name? What? Or is it Isn't Apple? It, it's Apple, I think. But it's... whose kid's name is Blanket? <laughs> I know Cardi B's kid's called Culture with a K. No, but That's there's my a fave. kid called Blanket. I can't. I really... Is it Michael what? Jackson? No, that's Parrot. The podcast now about celebrity children's names. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow actually posted, like, a naked photo of her recently. Like, a... Uh, Blanket Jackson! What? Oh, not Blanket Hoodie. One second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow had this photo of her, like, 
she's like covered herself but it's naked and she's like today's my birthday and I feel good in my body it's great and then her daughter who I think is called Apple or something commented like in capitals mom (laughs) ew mom mom oh my god oh okay there is a blanket yes thank you I feel justified well you know what let's stop shooting on people and with that take it away (laughs) (laughs) oh okay I just thought of something while I was on the toilet we took a short break because you can do that in podcasts I recently missed a package and I was really bummed about it because my mum had sent it for my birthday and I was just like, oh my god, what the fuck's happening? What's going on? I didn't take it. Stupid pack. I didn't. I wasn't about to (laughs) accuse you live, being like, here we are. I'll get a natural reaction. I'll be able to listen back over to her voice, analyze it, look for the linguistics and tone to see if she stole my package. No, I was basically like complaining about this fucking company and how shitty they are. And I was just like, I don't understand how they think they can deliver, like yapping on about it at work. And I was like, yeah, like fucking ups. I can't believe this. Ups is always doing this. It did this. And what, how did they, why did they deliver in the middle of the day? Normal humans work in the middle of the day. Like, ups this and ups that and Lala at work was just like you mean UPS? That's the first that's <laughs> I, was what like, I thought we were trying to start. I was like does she not know it's no. UPS? And she was like you but you ups? And I was like yeah like that you know like the, the you know it's huge and she was like UPS? Like once <laughs> I brought up a logo then yeah we had a big laugh about it so yeah I learned that today to add that in about my week Pigeons and ups. Huh. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm doing the Queen's Gambit, all right? I'm all, I'm all rattled up now. I'm all rattled up. I'm all saucy posh. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> Me and Blanket have got this game. <laughs> Take us on the Kokonhala. <laughs> Guten tag. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so I'm doing the Queen's Gambit. You're excited, right? Very. Okay. <laughs> Give me the validation I need. <laughs> Okay, so The Queen's Gambit is a period drama miniseries starring Anya Taylor-Joy, based on Walter Tevis's 1983 novel of the same name. For Scott Frank was the... Oh, a man with two first names. Mm, can't was, be trusted. Mm-hmm, was the director and wrote the screenplay adaptation of the novel. It was released on Netflix on October 23rd, 2020. A little, uh, little bit of knowledge for uh, all you chess players, because, you know, that's what the miniseries is about. Uh, the Queen's Gambit is one of the oldest opening moves recorded in the history of chess, dating back to the 15th century. It entails white m- moving its queen pawn to the middle of the board and then sacrificing its adjacent pawn. I don't know why I'm fucking going on about this. This is a makeup podcast. It's a it's a really cool move, basically. It's So, if you know chess... There you go. You get the reference. There you are. The Queen's <laughs> Gambit. It sh- uh, the show follows the life of Beth Harmon, a young chess prodigy. She is a made-up human being. I was sad to find this out. Mm. Um, so, unfortunately, Beth does have a very sad beginning. Um, she is an orphan and she has drug addictions and alcohol addictions and it's just following her life, like, battling with um, being this, like, amazing chess prodigy, but also, like, dealing with her past and dealing mm-hmm. with, like, loneliness and understanding herself. So it's kind of fun. She's the, she's the main character. She's... You're following her journey through childhood to, like, young adulthood. Yeah. She is complex. Yeah, and she's fighting to be seen in a male-dominated world of chess. And I believe the exquisite yet subtle hair and beauty looks were created... That were created helped narrate this journey very well. 
So Daniel Parker was the makeup and hair designer. He was born on December 30th, a fellow Capricorn. Oh. Both our birthdays very soon. Email us if you want a copy of Batman and Robin. You just got all the DVDs on file to just ship out. <laughs> it's this month's birthday gift. It's the must-have for December babies. Everyone's wanting it. Um, yeah, and he's from England, basically. Uh, London, England. Yep, that's where London is. Okay. He is known for his work on Cloud Atlas, Star Wars Return of the Jedi, Troy, and the series Chernobyl. Wow. But I also really want to cover, and I didn't know he was responsible for that show too. That would be a really good one to cover. Some crazy makeups. Mm-hmm. Very different from The Queen's Gambit. Entirely. Uh, just shout out to Marie Claire website for helping me massively with my notes. So here is Daniel Parker's take on bringing the show to life. Let's start with her hair. Firstly, the novel and script referred to Beth, Beth as a brunette. Um, but okay, so like Anya's playing Beth, right? We got that reference. Mm-hmm. Cool. But to Parker, his interpretation was that she was a feisty redhead. When Parker was meeting with the director, Scott Frank, he mentioned that he thinks Beth should be a redhead. And Scott Frank was like, absolutely, I agree. And then when meeting with Anya, he said, what do you think of Beth being a redhead? And she said, what do you mean? Of course she's a redhead. So that was quite unusual, he said, because he's so used to trying to persuade people of the vision he was going through for. But like the director and the um, talent were both like, yeah. Like, of course, I've always read her as a redhead. So even though the, scre- uh, the adaptation said differently and the novel. Because she's sassy. She's very stubborn and she's amazing and it's just beautiful. Um, um, who's the makeup artist again? Did I miss that part? Yeah, his name's Daniel Parker. That is the makeup artist. For some reason, I thought that was the director. No, Scott Frank. Ah, right. Man with two first names. Mm-hmm. Okay. Daniel Parker. Daniel Parker. I should be able to remember that. Okay. Me too. It's a name I can't pronounce this up finally <laughs> anyway um oh i thought you said you can't pronounce and then i was like thinking like, like i can't help you if you can't pronounce daniel parker <laughs> i don't know what to tell this you this is the end of the line cook and holiday <laughs> so beth's hair as an orphan her hairstyle was very bold uh it's she's a poor little girl who loses her mother and the first thing that happens to her is that she's defrogged like all her hair is chopped off when she arrives at the orphanage the utilitarian micro fringe haircut is to signify a stripping of identity as she joins the orphanage this is something parker did have to fight for he wanted the micro micro fringe like from the get-go micro fringe has come back in though i feel like it really has yeah it was not popular at the time um but it was so effective that tells a story by itself just like a really basic ugly haircut for like young little girls that are all matching Mm -hmm. um he wanted to actually make it worse but a lot of the mothers wouldn't allow it whose children were in the cast acting right yeah um, eventually Beth's hair softens into a side parted bob of cascading curls as she matures into an elegant young woman. Her whole look, I think, amplifies with age and money. The character really sits into that. So she goes from this like ugly little haircut to as she's growing older and becoming herself, it's like becomes a bit more like suited to her and natural, but it like definitely fault like it's he's done a good job of preparing the wigs that they like, grow into that style. Right. Like There's she's transition. not just got like the tiny micro bob to then oh a big like She's beautiful. There's transitions. There's and... a nice transition mm-hmm. of time passing as well. As and, she grows. And she also, Eternally. like... ain't hmm And she gets more money, so it's, like, providing her with, like, better fashion and makeup and also, like, I guess her hairstyling. Right. Okay. hmm So, like I just mentioned, um, Anya Taylor-Joy wore a wig the whole time. They had a few wigs that Beth... That grew with Beth through her story and maturity. They were styled overnight with rollers to maintain the waves that were popular in the 60s, and one of them was nicknamed after the late actress, Natalie Wood. Hmm. 
Amongst the historical inspiration Parker used to construct Beth's persona, Natalie Wood, Natalie Wood was one of Parker's biggest muses for inspiration. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that they named the wigs. Yeah, they did. <laughs> um, they also He also used uh, Rita Hayworth and Lauren Bacall um, and the sleekness and beauty of Grace Kelly. Those were the guiding lights for creating the look, especially with hair. The final wig for Beth actually had two names, and it's, like, in the final episode where she's, you know, that it's where we're ending the story of this chapter of her life, and she's, the wig is uh, beautiful, beautiful, and the name for the wig that they called was Drop Dead Gorgeous or Fuck Off Dead Gorgeous. Oh so you'd be like, bring me Fuck Off Dead Gorgeous. We're ready for her. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it sounds like a fun guy to work for. Um, if you want to see a quick little wig application, go to Daniel Parker's Insta at danielparker.art. You will also see a woman called Claudia Stolls. They are a wig and makeup artist seen in the video too. What I find interesting in her wig prep is the wig is the wig cap is particularly set back almost at the head of Anya's crown. Mm. I'm not a hair person, so I personally never have applied or seen this done before, but I can imagine it helps the front of the wig to be more transparent and you avoid seeing that wig cap line uh, for all you who don't know, a wig cap is like getting hair prepped for a wig just means getting the hair as flat as you can for a wig. Same as if you're applying a bald cap. So your preparation is extremely important for anything going on top of the skull. Because you don't want any lumps or bumps or yeah. any spots where the like wig would look unnatural. And exactly. after you've wrapped the hair around the head, you'll put a kind of like a sock. Like a pantyhose. Literally, if you cut the toes off a pantyhose and then you put that on someone's head that's what a wig cap looks like and that gets pinned down and it just keeps all the hair inside and it helps the wig go on a lot smoother after yeah that's it and um and she's got a lot of hair too wow so they wrap that they wrap that good they wrap that shit good so makeup so it's a wonderful era that obviously it's centered around we travel kind of from like the 40s to the 60s oh yes Mm -hmm. hello hell Sorry. We love a period oh, look. Welcome to the sixties. Again, we'll just reference all the <laughs> Um, it's yeah, it's a wonderful era. The makeup is represented by a very powdered look. The eyeliner, the lips, the blusher—it's all put on really beautifully. It's perfection without being overly made up. So elegant and reflecting of Beth's character. Her makeup is so perfect and symmetrical. What's like such a representation of who she is. So they just made this period makeup look so elegant and beautiful and matte and very true to the time and also to who she was as a character. Yeah, it sounds like they put a lot of effort into looking at like the character development and then how do we reflect the character, what she's going through on the inside, on the outside. They did that so much with wigs and makeup they really thought about it where it could have just been like a write-off like oh it's a period she's just gonna have this she's just gonna wear this because that's what they wore then yeah no it's like very her yeah and like you said he had all that um, improvisation that inspiration from the previous actresses Hmm. i said about like natalie woods and there was a lot of research and who beth was as a person and the character and her journey and how can that be reflected so very cool. We like a we like a deep thinker. Very cool, Daniel Parker. <laughs> Love that. Oh my god, David. <laughs> oh my god, Daniel Parker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the great thing about working like that is then when Beth is he said when Beth is supposed to look like shit because she's so immaculate looking all the time, they just took off some of her makeup. So they removed the powder so that the shine came through and it just looks wrong on her. And you kind of know that she's maybe not well or she's mm-hmm. going through something. So they like 
you know, made her look so beautiful and so perfect all the time, but to a natural level. Like, she's not, we're not talking about, like, glammed here. Like, she's still coming from, like, a very unfortunate background of pain and a really hard start to her life. And she almost, like, evolves into this human as she's competing and being in this, like, men man's based world that she is using her femininity and also her look and she's just growing into herself um so beth's mental state is consistently reflected in her appearance and in a particular episode her makeup is a huge indicator that her life is like a pill fueled chaos within she struggles with taking these pills that she becomes addicted to that they actually were giving orphans um back in the day yeah and then they were like, oh, these are only bad for kids. But unfortunately, Beth's addiction had already grown to them. Yeah. And she kind of represents that as, like, her ability to do chess, but it's not at all. She's just a fantastic player, and she is a prodigy, and she's so highly intelligent. Um, So, yeah, during one of Beth's most turbulent benders, Parker explains she attempts to channel a pop singer's um, aesthetic, but fails miserably. It's kind of halfway through the season, and Beth gets incredibly drunk while dancing to I'm Your Venus. My shocking blue. And then she decides to do like a rather outrageous eyeliner to look like the lead singer of the band. So the next day she decides to, um, when she's like hungover and gross because she's been on a bender, she does this makeup again. And it's just is like incredibly bad. Like it's not really bad, but it just does not suit her characteristic. You're kind of like, something's wrong. Something's not okay with Beth. <laughs> um, she just looks like a hot mess. Uh, Parker said it's really difficult for makeup artists to do makeup that's meant to look bad. It kind of goes against the grain, what I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that scene in particular, she has a very nude, almost like cool pink tone lip. So it just brings out that exaggerated eyeliner more. Um, I also got huge Edie Sedgwick vibes. Love her. Yeah. 60s icon. Mm-hmm. Andy Warhol's friend. Mm-hmm. I like have a space in my heart for Edie Sedgwick that I wish I could like go back in time and give her a hug yeah and be like I think she just needed some love and some friends uh Factory Girl is a movie about her um that I would also love to cover one day really good movie yeah it's awesome Sienna Miller's in it so coincidentally the floating eyeliner that is seen in Beth's look that I will be attaching in the photos on our Instagram post for this has had a major comeback this year so we're here for Beth's attempt we like it it's very Jules from Euphoria (gasps) Mm-hmm. love her but for Beth it just isn't good in her character at all and it's just signifying your girl's life is a mess she's losing control she's not she's not up for it no. um so also Parker played with lipstick often in, is an insight into Beth's maturity Parker used lip color to signify Beth's age changes and to signal and to signal shifting relationships and behavior he quotes the lips along with the eyelashes can temper what the character's doing or how the character's behaving all the colors were specifically planned for the individual scenes and the individual ages. He also reserved one lip color to reflect the bond between Beth and her adopted mother, Alma, um, because towards the end, Beth's shades become similar to her second mother's as an ode to her. It all helps to tell the story and translate the character without a view and knowing it. What just goes back to like what a beautiful storyteller each department can be. And they're purely doing it for, like, themselves and mm-hmm. for maybe an audience member that notices. Also, I didn't even notice. <laughs> so interesting that he, because we talked about that in The Crown, that uh, Ivamina Primorak, who's the head of department for The Crown, used lipsticks to show Clara Foy's character yes. progression as Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. And, you know, as the lipsticks got darker or more matte, it was either, you know, she's mature or this is a serious scene. Yeah, 
it's it's also not something like lipstick it does have dominance and yeah does show change it does have that effect on the viewer watching it of like oh she's you know more muted or she's more mm-hmm. old it's, I think it's, like, subconscious things. Like, you don't, like, when you're watching a movie, you don't actively notice, like, oh, she's wearing, a, like, a different lipstick. No. But you kind of notice that she does look different, and she's acting different, and it kind of couples together. Exactly. It's, like, all in the art of storytelling, and, mm-hmm. like, we've mentioned before, like, the minute you start noticing something too much is the minute that that department's maybe done it wrong. Yeah. Because you're building the story. You don't want to, and that's another thing with the wig going back to it it is so well done that i like was pausing and zooming in to try and find the lace to try and i didn't know it was a wig at all no i thought it was her hair me too because it's so beautiful it's like styled perfectly and it's a shorter wig so that wig application is gonna be good like you can't hide anything around the ears or the back no and when we say like a lace front wig and uh, there's like lace front wigs and synthetic and a lace front wig is obviously going to achieve a more natural look and it has been hand tied to a lace that's what that mm-hmm. means for people that might not know gives the natural part and hair hairline and yeah just looks a lot more real also a lot more expensive because of that and because it's been hand tied and all of that they're very pricey understandably mm-hmm. um and also talking about the crown funny you bring that up I, there's a man that I worked with in the UK called Mark English, who's a fantastic, like, classically trained, like, I worked in, like, theatre for wigs and makeup, has done makeup forever, has, knows his way around wigs, like, the back of his hand, like, I worked with him at the BBC, and this man can apply a wig, this man knows shit, like, he's a fucking great hair artist, and he wrote this post about how fucking shit the new crown wigs are. Interesting. Yeah, with Diana especially because that's what it's focusing on this season right um and just it was basically like and it and then I started looking at it and I was like yeah that's a shame because apparently the acting is beautiful but Mark English this man was saying that if that is the level of a high budget like show and that is what they're turning out for wigs it is he's like I feel so displeased and embarrassed to be a hairstylist because the wig is so awful interesting yeah so i was just like like maybe drop the ball on this but that's everyone's own opinion and that's okay and little sometimes tea. a little more tea and sometimes i like to be like you don't know what was happening you don't know what the budget was yeah yes, or what it was the a big budget was, or, or what the person was going through mm-hmm. but uh yeah apparently they're really fucking shit there you go interesting <laughs> anyway back to the queen's gambit um so yeah uh the in the final episode um, it's a really big turning point for makeup. Parker said there's n- nothing typical about Beth, but here in this episode. Um, we're talking that classic, that real classic 1950s and 60s makeup with the eyeliner, the lip, and the hair. He says, the look is mature, more assured, and the most femme of the, in the series. It emphasizes her domineering presence in a room full of men. It's an exercise in defiance, and more than ever, this feminine energy is an un- underestimated, but respected. She's feared by opponents, admired by fans, and revered by her peers. Wow. Yeah, her look is beautiful in the end. It's very, like, sharp and put together. It's just, like, fully sitting into herself as a woman. Right. Mm-hmm. The hair was beautifully smooth, and the makeup was very, very sexy and red. Everything was done to look simply that drop-dead gorgeous look. That's why the wig was also named after that. <laughs> so some of the products I found that apparently Parker used was in this final episode was matte lipstick in Russian red. It's MAC eye pencil mm. in coffee. Lightly applied along the upper waterline, I think, just to give some definition around the eyes. 
um, and like thicken up the eyelashes a bit more. And then an ink eyeliner by Bobbi Brown was used. Was well, in her little flick, her <laughs> clean, beautiful flicker. Flick of the wrist. A flick of the wrist. And then she had flare false eyelashes by Shu Umara. They make great eyelash stuff. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. There we are. There's a word that I can't pronounce again, but I haven't used them or heard of them. They also make a really good eyelash curler. Oh. If you want a good eyelash curler, it's a bit pricey, but it's worth it. The engineering. Amazing. Um, a nice quote from Daniel as well. I, oh, we're on a first name basis. Um, <laughs> I really liked that he mentioned was, I always think of myself as a prop man to the face. He's currently on a project that I couldn't find the name of and he didn't say, so maybe it's still a bit secretive, but it's an 18th century period production with massive wigs. One of the wigs he's currently got and his styling is four feet high. So I'm really excited to see his next project. I like that. Yeah. And apparently Heath Ledger was set to direct um, The Queen's Gambit at the end of 2008, but passed away earlier that year, so couldn't. Um, and Ellen Page was meant to play Beth. Oh, interesting. So that just like kind of shows like how long this script or this adaptation has, has been, been waiting. floating around. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. Oh, and also uh, Daniel Parker picks mushrooms. <laughs> Which is a great tie-in, actually, to yes. our tip of this episode. What yes. a great segue. He's got like this really sweet um, picture of him on his Instagram. This big mushroom, like <laughs> this big basket full of mushrooms that he's collected. Um, out in his garden in Normandy, because he has a holiday home there, I guess. I mean, lovely. And, yeah, and I'm like, oh, I want to be like you. I want to go out same. and harvest and be, a herb- be a herbalist woman and know right from wrong and what to eat and what not to eat. And, yeah. Go out in my rubber boots and pick up my mushrooms and make a nice stir fry for the de- evening supper. Mm. Evening hot snack. Chin chin. Mm-hmm. We're doing like little <laughs> Alexis Rose gestures. Yeah, we are to each other and we're sat like very closely. So it's all just like hands and faces. Um, and yes, Buffy's right. That does bring us on to our product that we would like to talk about yes. to conclude. A vitamin brand or vitamin called Host Defense. It's mushroom caps and it's also the man that invented this is in the documentary Fantastic Fungi. What's well, all about mushrooms? It's a beautiful documentary. It's really cute. And the guy who's talking the most, uh, talking a lot in it, and he's kind of narrating our way through it. He is like, like I said, invented a uh, host defense. And mushrooms have loads of really amazing healing properties. And I'm not talking about the ones that are dried up and you take and you like spin out for a while and you're like having a good vision and a good time. I'm talking <laughs> about like actual just like <laughs> good mushrooms. <laughs> so yeah, these mushroom caps like vary in different mushrooms will have different healing properties and I just feel like it's good for your brain power and keeping regulated with these good organic vitamins especially in film can really help you out and just giving your body some extra support can definitely you know go a long way and I trust him if you've seen the documentary he's very knowledgeable he knows like every mushroom under the sun just by the look (laughs) of it Um, and I've got my eye on the turkey tail mushroom powder and it's really helpful for immune support and apparently turkey tail for women is really great at um, there's a part in the documentary where his mom is diagnosed with breast cancer and after taking like six months of turkey tail mushrooms, it's gone. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's pretty incredible. So mushrooms got powers, baby. Listen, Linda. Mm-hmm. Little fun guys doing they, bits for the world. They are fun guys. <laughs> that was <laughs> such a roll and shit joke. Thank you. Or even maybe a Johnny Rose. Uh, more Johnny Rose, I feel like. Yeah. They are fun guys. You can see his eyebrows. And then David's like, yeah, okay, whatever, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) 
For our tip this week, we decided to talk about Melia spots, which are really common. They're little white bumps that can come anywhere on the face, although they're most common around the eyes, on the cheekbones. What makes them really hard to squeeze because it's a very, like, especially around the eyes, it's very sensitive. sensitive. Yeah. And you're not supposed to squeeze them because they're so deep in the skin that they really won't come out by squeezing. They kind of develop from skin flakes being trapped under the surface of the skin, but very deep. And they're also common if you have excess calcium deposits. So if you're struggling with milia, there's not really a way you can remove them yourself other than going to see a professional. But if you want to prevent them, if you're prone to them, a couple of things you could do is to obviously wash your face properly, use uh, good creams or gels that are derived from vitamin A, um, have been shown to help. A pointer is to avoid using heavy eye creams if you're prone to milia because it can kind of help them. If you are looking for a really good eye, um, under eye serum, cream, oil, um, I'd also recommend the Harlow Eye Repair Elixir. We've mentioned Harlow before. They're a local brand. They're fantastic. Um, and there's coffee oil in it. And so you can like put it on in the morning and it's a nice oil and a little goes a long way and you're kind of like, bingo, bango. I'm ready to take on the day. Caffeine is under my eyes. <laughs> Bring it on, Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. And that's us. And that's uh, that's our episode 10. Before we go, I also just want to mention a charity that I think would be really great to donate to. I have a friend and a group of people back home that I actually went to school with, and they're all riding their bikes from London, England, to Amsterdam come uh, next late March um, in honor of the Brain Tumor Charity. And my friend Callum and, yeah, I'm going to say is my friend. I haven't seen him in a few years, but Callum can be my mate. (laughs) I just got really emotional reading the story of why he's doing it. And it's in honor of his dad and his brothers participating. And I looked at who's cycling. There's a lot of names that I recognize from high school. The Instagram page is called The Road to Dam. And if you click on the link in the bio, it's like the Just Giving one. And you can donate and write a little message or do it anonymous. But everyone likes to feel good. So you can like totally put your name in there and be like, oh, love this. (laughs) And even if you can't donate, if you can give it a share or a like and just spread the word and, you know, I think it's a really good, really good charity. And also this is around the holiday season and if you want to do something nice to give back and to feel nice and warm, great place to start. Mm -hmm. And they're really great humans and men and I wish them all the luck. So Mm -hmm. yeah, just a little quick shout out for them. I guess we'll wrap it up here. If you feel like following us, our Instagram is Blush and Stuff Pod, and our Twitter is Blush and Stuff underscore Pod. You can email us at blushandstuff at gmail.com. Who is she? You've got this memorized. Girl, Buffy. But I messed up our email. It's actually blushandstuffpod at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> don't compliment me too quickly. I don't even know the email address. We're all good. <laughs> it's okay. We only get emails from Simon Mark from Captivate, mm-hmm. our podcast distributors very fun stuff thanks guys (laughs) um the jingle that you're listening to right now was produced by stefan cowley and our cover art was produced by sarah joni so huge thank you to them thanks for listening guys thank you so much bye Bye. wish me a happy birthday